You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 62. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie and welcome to episode 62. I am so excited to bring you another great interview. My guest today is on a mission to help more people become mindful millionaires. And that sounds good to me. Before we dive into the interview, if you're new to the podcast and don't know me yet, then I want to welcome you. I am Monica Louie. I'm a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist, and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook ads, which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed more than two and a half million dollars in ad spend and served more than 1,000 students and clients. We are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And while I absolutely love teaching about Facebook and Instagram ads, the goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business. It's one thing to earn seven figures, but it's another thing to have a solid relationship with money. So if you've ever asked yourself, what's wrong with me that I can't make my money work? Why does it seem that it's so easy for others and so difficult for me? Why can't I stop worrying about money? Why does it seem like it's never enough? Well, my guest on the show today is here to help us figure out all of this. I am so honored to have my good friend, Lisa Peterson, on the show. Lisa is a certified financial planner who is on a mission to help 1 million people elevate their financial consciousness by realizing their true value and creating financial security for themselves. As a money educator, workshop leader, and spiritual teacher, Lisa hosts the Mindful Millionaire podcast, as well as virtual workshops and life-transforming retreats. Her masterful blend of sound financial strategy and mindfulness training helps people break free of patterns of lack, scarcity, and money fears, allowing them to finally lead the rewarding, fulfilling, and abundant lives they most desire. And I'm proud to say that I've benefited from Lisa's work. As you'll hear in the interview, she was my first business coach who really helped me to play a bigger game when it came to growing this business. In this interview, Lisa and I cover so much, including what it means to be a mindful millionaire, the eight-part framework that will help you not only make more money, but also break through the beliefs that may be holding you back from creating the life you really want, how to deal with financial uncertainty in your life and business, and a whole lot more. As always, you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 62. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E.com slash the number 62. All right, here's my interview with Lisa Peterson from wealthclinic.com. Hey, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. This is truly an honor. I am so happy to be here, Monica. 
So for those who don't know, please share who you are and what you do. So I am a money mindset coach and I help people to understand the things that have got them snagged or stuck in life as it pertains to money and business and that sort of thing. Because I know that everybody has incredible gifts to share with the world. And if you aren't aligning it with your money, there's a good chance that you're not achieving the dreams and prosperity that you want for yourself. And you were also my coach, my first business coach. When I first started this business, I knew that I had some mindset things that were holding me back and I didn't want to hold myself back any longer. I was looking to go big in this business and you really supported me overcome my limiting beliefs and all that we're going to talk about today. But anyway, so I just want to thank you for playing such an instrumental role in my growth and my business. And so I'm. this is truly an honor to speak to you. Well, right back at you. You know, I was developing this work at that time. So without you, there may not have been a book or all these good things I'm working on. So thank you for being able to kind of follow the call and dive in. Yay. So, okay. So I first want to start off with how you even got into this. How did you become an entrepreneur? What did that path to becoming your own boss look like? I think it was partly desperation to get out of my financial advising job and my financial career the way that I had been doing it for 25 years. And then partly just inspiration. I knew I had an idea. I wasn't sure how I could make money with it, but it just totally overcame me. And I thought, if there's a way that I can bring this inner journey that I had been on for, at that time, 15 years, together with my understanding of finance, that there was going to be some magic and I would be able to help people. But that was what planted the seed. And you, your corporate career was in finance, correct? Yeah, Pretty much from the time I got my MBA in the early 90s, I was always in some kind of financial role. And then what did that transition look like to, you know, into coaching and money work and all of that? So the day I announced I was leaving my financial advising job, I sent out an email to, I think it was about 300 people on my friend email list and said, Hey, I'm starting a class tomorrow. Do you want to come join me? And 35 people signed up. I think I was charging all of $39. And (laughs) it was like an eight-week class. And I just dove in. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea if it would work. And it took me a while to realize that teaching classes is awesome. And it's my favorite part of what I do now. But I needed to do coaching. And at first, I really resisted the idea of becoming a coach. I thought, well, I just want to teach classes. I don't want to get into you know all the details. And after a year of fighting it, I started doing a little bit of it. And then <laughs> by two years, I was like, okay, I'm a coach. I admit it. So that was the early journey. And it was really tough. I didn't make very much money. I felt like I was kind of a failure at doing the business thing. It was really tough. It's a huge transition to leave a career. And even though I was in sales for much of my career, it was very different than building a brand around you know, your, your thoughts and ideas. 
So can you tell us, how did you overcome those challenges? I mean, where, where did the learning take you and what did you implement that actually started to click? Because I know you have just a highly engaged community now and faithful followers. And so what did that look like to, you know, the rocky road to kind of more smoother sailing? Yeah, there were a lot of different parts. One was people asking me to help them. That definitely kept me in the game and seeing their progress, even though it wasn't like it is today, it was enough to keep going. I hired some amazing coaches and also some coaches that I felt like kind of ripped me off. And it's amazing. Sometimes you learn from the bad experiences more than you even do from the good ones. So I hired one coach and it was really early on and some great things happened. Like she encouraged me to get packages together and get out there and you know, I was able to recover the investment, but there was a lot of ethical things that I didn't agree with in the way that the business was being managed. And so that definitely woke me up to like, wow, there's a seedy kind of dark side to coaching that I don't want anything to do with. And I'm going to have to really watch that. So I ended up learning from there and eventually found another coach, you know, or another program. But it was always like, I knew that I had a lot to learn, not just about mindset, but what it meant to be a business owner. I just had no idea of the complexity that I think I was walking into. And it's funny now because I don't think people might even understand if they're a brand new business, I think we can do it a lot more simply now. But back then, there wasn't as much resources. And it was like you were looking for a needle in a haystack to answer certain questions. It wasn't like it is today. And I felt like I I paid the price of that early on, just struggling with kind of how do you do this? And how do you build funnels? And how do you market yourself? And I got lucky is how I look at it, which is pretty funny. But it came together. It just took time. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, having a lot of coaches investing in coaching, which is something that I knew, I mean, that's why I reached out to work with you is that I knew that that was going to help set me up on the right path for success in my business. And so coaching and just being very specific about what your needs are and kind of learning that as you go. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's a beautiful summary. And so many cool things along the way. I had a very interesting origin story and that got me into a lot of interviews at an incredible level from an early start. And that, you know, through the FinCon community, through other people I met, I was really lucky to get these people interested in my story. What's interesting too, though, is that story that I was teaching and talking about then didn't ultimately help carry me through. It was kind of like an intro story, but it wasn't really like, what are you doing? And and I think that's when my business started to shift as I realized that that you can be a coach where you kind of cover a whole bunch of stuff, but you're not necessarily a specialist in anything or you can build a library of intellectual property. And when I started to realize that that there was an opportunity for that, I feel like that's when things started to change. Can you expand on that? So did you get more specific in your offerings and what it was around as opposed to being more general? It was the introducing of the chakras into what I was teaching that I feel like was that pivotal moment. And I'm not sure if you remember sort of, or if I had already been doing it, I think right around the time we met, but 
I taught a class and I had taught several classes before, but this class was different. After the class was done, it was like three weeks or something. People started reaching out to me and saying, you know, I don't know what's in these meditations, but I'm listening to them every day and all kinds of changes are happening in my life in a good way. And I'm making more money. I'm getting out of my own way. I'm helping myself. I'm growing my business. And they kept coming. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, you know, something that I've created in these chakra meditations works really good. And so I was like, lean in, you know, figure this out, create a model, create a framework. Like I just became obsessed. And that was about three or so years ago, three, four years ago. I mean, it all runs together. (laughs) I had already been working on a book. And it's funny because I started teaching about these concepts, but I didn't realize how long it was going to take to really bake them in and and really figure out the model and start to write the case studies that I feature in my book. Because that's when I really saw like, this is a journey. There's so much to be learned both by me and by my clients. And, and I just, I totally committed myself to that. And that was a big change for me. I love it. No, I remember when you rolled that out, it was the 21 day challenge and they were amazing. I mean, daily meditations. And that was my first introduction to chakras and, and what, you know, that whole world and how that is ingrained in everything that we do. And so, but I remember the the shifts that were happening in the community. And I just remember that this was, that was your moment to be like, okay, let's, let's figure this out. How can I bring this to more people and teach this in a better way? So how did that lead into, you said you were writing a book at the time. So is this book, The Mindful Millionaire, is this the same book or is it an evolution of what that idea was? How did that come about? So it was two parts. I think around the time that we met, so three years ago, I went to a writing retreat with Tom Bird, one of my writing coaches, and I wrote a book in a weekend and it was about 30,000 words. And at the time I thought, this is it. And the book was focused. I didn't know going into it, this was what was going to come out of me, but it was all about breaking free of judgment. And I remember thinking, that's, you know, it doesn't have so much to do with money. I know it's a critical part of the journey, but it surprised me. And then the way that his process works is it just sort of channels out of you, but it doesn't have a lot of structure. And so I started trying to add the structure into the book. And I think I spent six, seven months on that. And I finally just realized, it wasn't the book. Like I had to get that out of me. And there were stories that are in that book that ended up in The Mindful Millionaire. But around the same time, an agent reached out to me and she's like, Hey, I've been reading your blog. I think that your stuff is really unique. Would you be interested in writing a book? And I didn't know, you know, she's one of the top agents in the country. And I was like, you know, if you're interested, I'm interested, let's do this. And so she started helping me. And that was a really big turning point because she would give me feedback on the things I was writing. And she's like, I think it's money and chakras. And I agreed. I'm like, yeah, you know, this is the thing. It's just how to structure it, what to write about, how to do this. And it took, I mean, that was, yeah, three years ago. So it's like, it's been an evolution to say the least. But what also was a big pivotal moment is I tried to write a fiction book about this work and I got super excited and I sent it off to a coach that I was working with and a writer. And she's like, we can do this. This is a great story, but it's going to take us a couple years. And at that time, I was like, I don't have a couple years. Funny that it took still a couple years to do the nonfiction version, but it was like I spent six months writing this fiction story. And then again, false start, you know, like, okay, this isn't it. And so, 
in that kind of sadness of it not working out, I asked one of my clients if she would come back around with me with all the work we had done. I'm like, can you tell me your story again? Really, you know, I, I feel like I'm missing some stuff. And she started telling me her story, and I started seeing the depth of what was going on for her and why she was so attracted to the work. And that became the heart chakra story in the book. And it changed everything because then I started to see that all the people I was working with each had a different chakra that was associated with the problems that they were facing with money. So I had seven people, seven chakras, seven stories, and then I could start to create a framework of what I was doing to help them. And that became I Prosper, which is kind of the middle part of the book. Okay. So, so much to unpack there. So the Mindful Millionaire, so the subtitle is Overcome Scarcity, Experience True Prosperity, and create the life you really want. So I think we've already heard a little bit about, you know, what sets this book apart, but can you kind of explain a little bit more about how is this book different from all the other money books out there? So it's really truly a blend of two aspects of, I think, what it means to be a human being. One is, you know, making money. And even if you say following your passion, making money, I wanted to focus on what is that very human need, that very human experience? What does it take to break free of scarcity and become you know, a millionaire, for example? Or I used a lot of research about millionaires in the book to give people a context of like, this is what people who aren't very financially successful do. And this is what someone does when they've you know, built wealth for themselves. But along the course of the journey of learning about that, you're also learning about these beliefs that you've adopted from your family, from the culture that you live in, from the environment and the economic situation that you grew up in, pulling all those together to create a story about yourself. And what happens is in the course of the book, I'm trying to show folks that they have a story they're living about money. And there's probably an even better one that they could be creating rather than just living because you've adopted it. So you, you're given a story and you think that's all you can do. But in reality, as you gain more awareness and understanding of the principles taught in the book, you start to write a new story for yourself that might look very different. And it's not just someone who struggles with money, but I have plenty of clients who are very, very successful and very wealthy, but they still struggle in worrying about money all the time, no matter how much money they have. So it's literally the book meets you where you are and helps you write the new story for yourself. I love that. So we can really take control. It doesn't have to be that your situation that you're in or your past is going to predict what your future looks like, that you can really take the reins and create the story that you want to create. Most definitely. And I think that's different because most books either focus just on mindset or they just focus on the money. And what I do is at the end of the process in I Prosper, you're bringing all the breakthroughs that you've had. And now you're going to create a, what I call a holistic financial plan. So I'm walking you through the things that you want to be paying attention to depending on where you are in your wealth building journey. So it becomes very practical and very goal oriented. Good. Okay. So for those who kind of hear the word chakra and then they think it sounds kind of woo-woo, what do you, what do you say <laughs> to, to those who are like, oh, I don't know, this might be a little bit too woo for me? Yeah, it's a great question. So first of all, if we know that Maslow's hierarchy of needs was inspired by the chakras and 
Joseph Campbell's hero's journey was inspired by the chakras, we can start to say, oh, wait a minute, like maybe there's something here. So I'm not just like pulling this out of nowhere, but the chakras are actually almost like scientific, even though it's you know metaphysical, you're not going to see it on a x-ray machine, that the chakras are kind of your mirror of what it was like when you were growing up. So it goes, it covers the span of like birth all the way till about 25 years of age. And at each stage of your own personal maturation, things are going on inside of your mind, your psyche, and you're creating beliefs about yourself. And so sometimes we have to go back into those different phases of life in order to understand where the software got corrupt, basically. It's like we're like software. <laughs> and we So the, the chakras help us get way more specific oh, instead of it being like, I have a money problem. It's like, no, I have a root chakra problem. <laughs> and here's what goes on with that. You know, it feels like I, I don't make enough money. I'm never going to make enough money to become wealthy. You know, I'm never going to be able to take care of myself in the way that I want. You know, these beliefs start tying into specific times of our lives. And then they help us understand, well, what might need to change in that software so that I can go out and live a prosperous life. So that's where I'm helping. I'm just using chakras as a framework to self-understand and then also self-correct. So can you walk us through the I prosper process? What are the steps in that? Sure. So it's eight steps. It's intention, pattern, reclaiming your feelings, opportunity, story, permission, evidence, and then ultimately reinvent, right? Or recreate. And so it is a framework also inspired by the chakras, but when we start out, we just say, Hey, what do I, why am I doing this? You know, where do I want to go with it? Setting my intention. Then we move into the pattern piece, which is like, what is going on? Like what keeps feeling like I'm in the washing machine going round and round and round? What's the pattern that I've got coming up with money? And by the way, we might have many, but I encourage people to just take one at a time. And once you get the hang of it, then you could do all of them, but just you know, pick one. Then when you know the pattern, what I think that you could probably speak to even maybe better than I is what we unlock in the process very early on is that there's these feelings inside of us that we didn't even know we have about situations. And so when we reclaim our feelings, it leads to a huge opening, which is the, this is the third part of the process, that we usher in a new way of looking at life. And that leads us to opportunity, which is about looking at the ways that we've identified money and I like to use the, the yin and the yang, the feminine and the masculine, and noticing how many times money is seen as being very masculine, whereas there are some very powerful things that happen in the feminine. And so when we become more comfortable with our whole person, we become a more dynamic, more powerful leader in the world as a result of being like, I can be sensitive and I can also be a business leader. You know, I can be both. I don't have to be one or the other. That opens up the stage of story. I mentioned that. So we're, we're looking at what our story's been in the past and we're writing a new story. Then it moves into permission. Permission is profoundly powerful in this work because 
we reach a moment where we realize that we actually have a choice, that it wasn't just happening to us, that we can give ourselves permission to build wealth or to have great success in our business. And no one has to stand in our way. Like we're the only one standing in our way. We can make this happen. And then something that just came in is, I think a person who really shows me this over and over again is Oprah. When you read her quotes, like she just gives herself permission constantly. Like I feel like that's how she became a billionaire. She didn't ever really dwell so much in the limiting beliefs. She just always said, yes, like, yes, I'm going to do that. And yes, I'm going to do this. And then we move into evidence, which is what I was talking about with the... um, holistic financial plan. Let's like make this very practical. Let's look at what we need to do differently with our money from now on. How might we run our business differently? How can I make different choices than I have in the past? They're better for me, are free of the limiting kind of patterns of the past. And then finally, it's this recreate. And also like, how do you keep going? How do you make sure that you're expanding and optimizing and you know growing as a human being? Because I think, I actually think that's the magic of the process is it just gives us a way to notice how we can be in control of our own growth as a human being. And we don't have to wait for anyone else to instigate it. You know, we just get to decide. Sometimes one year might be a big growth year and another year might be like, I am just going to coast and it's okay. <laughs> and so that's the whole process. I love it. Okay. So much good stuff. And I can't wait to dive into each of the steps even deeper in the book. But can you talk to us, like, how does this apply to entrepreneurs that you've worked with and those of us who are looking to scale their businesses to seven figures? You know, where do people most commonly get stuck in all of this work? And how can we kind of give ourselves that permission that you say, you know, to kind of reach those big, scary goals? So it is really different for everybody. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that money means different things for every person. So what I do know is that any time that you spend as an entrepreneur focused on self-understanding around how you think about money and what is motivating you and where that comes from is powerful. So I recently had a gal hear my presentation and she came back to me and she had come from a upper middle-class home, always got everything that she wanted growing up. And she wasn't that drawn to the work at first because she's like, well, scarcity doesn't really apply to me. I've always had everything and I still do. Like, her and her husband are quite well-to-do and he's had great success in his business. And when she heard the model and she learned about the heart chakra, which has a lot to do with giving and receiving and making sure that those are in balance with each other, she realized that because she was given so much growing up and it was always there available to her, she had equated money to love. And now as she's building her business, what she was finding and didn't know it was happening. So this is back to like, why is this so important? She realized that every single time she put an offer out or asked somebody to pay her, it was like she was asking them to love her. Mm. And you could see like how that would... I mean, she's like, ooh, I don't want to do that. Like, that's not why I've got my business. That's not why I did this. It was super unconscious. And just in that moment of realizing, oh my gosh, you know, like that's why it's so hard for me. Like, I'm great in business. I do a 
fabulous job helping people. I know that and people appreciate it. But every time I'm asking people for money, I feel like it's some kind of loving relationship that we're entering into. And so that realization was like, from now on, she will never look at a launch or a negotiation in the same way. She'll be able to separate them and be like, no, that's not true. So what are her new beliefs around that? So our new belief is I don't have to look at it that way. <laughs> I mean, just the absence of it. But also like, I love doing business. I love helping people, but I don't have to have this be part of like some kind of intimate relationship when I'm working with somebody. So I'm just... This just happened like a week ago. And so I'm watching her and, and kind of observing what's happening. And she's made some big decisions to change some things in her business. And I always know that, that it relates to these breakthroughs. Like I'm not super into it. She's, I'm not coaching her. She just heard a presentation, but that's the power of it. Very cool. So with you know beliefs and self-worth and how that all ties to money, can you kind of explain how that's all connected and then how this process can help us kind of figure that out for ourselves? Yeah. So as you move your way up in the beginning, the chakras and the belief systems are very grounded and like actual things that are happening with money. But as you go up, you know, to the crown of your head, because it kind of follows from your root to your crown, you start to get into more concepts rather than it just being like, I need to make more money. So the concept that you just inspired me to think about is this idea of enoughness. And that is a lifelong journey, I think, for many of us to step into our fullest expression of enoughness. But what happens through this work is you start to notice the areas of your life where you actually don't feel like you're enough. So one area that's very common in our world is that we are enough when we're successful. We're enough when we have more money. We're enough when somebody loves us. But what you see through the journey of the book is that those are all ideas and their beliefs, but they aren't the truth. Like what's going to determine someone's enoughness is you yourself and that's it. Like no one else decides that. And when you start to realize that you've got these conditional ways in your life, like, oh, I can be happy if you know, like I can be happy if I meet this target or I can be happy if this is going on. And this is the way many of us have been trained and raised and carrot and stick sort of being raised, you know, with this idea that only if you do the right thing, are you a good person or are you enough? Well, that wears out. You know, I'm older than many, probably even listeners. I'm, you know, close to mid fifties. And as we age, what we start to realize is this sort of behavior is never ending. You will never win the game. There will always be someone who has more money than you. There will always be someone who has more success than you. And that competitive game is exhausting. And the sooner we get off that hamster wheel and we realize that we can create from a far more loving and supportive places inside of ourselves, we take the pressure, the expectation, and the attachment for things being a certain way out of the equation. And we actually go out and have fun creating our businesses. We enjoy what we're doing. We stop letting the work control us. And if we want to be super passionate about something, which is what I feel like I've done for the past few years, 
awesome, but it's not coming because I think that I need the validation of people out there to feel good about myself. I'm going to feel good about myself no matter what. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. No, I love that. I mean, thank you for unpacking that. I think that's always a good reminder is that you know, I mean, going back to the permission piece is that you can give yourself permission. You are enough. You have what it takes. And if you believe that, then you're going to have much more success in your business and things will kind of align much easier. And I think we realize too, you know, I'm sure you've seen this. There are going to be times where you may want a lifestyle business versus a multi seven figure business. And you're the one who gets to decide that. Like never, ever, ever go after something just because somebody else told you that that was a good idea. Like you get to decide how you want to structure it and how much money you want to make. But it's very different when it's coming from you than an idea that someone's given you. I love that. That's so true. And that's something that I've been thinking about too, is like the schedule that I choose. You know, I have full control because I am my own boss. I get to create my schedule. I get to decide what days I have meetings and how much of my day is spent working versus how much of my day is spent, you know, with family time or me time. So I think that that's something that I've been focused on as well is like deciding that just because I see other people, you know, it's where it seems like they're working around the clock and they're, you know, having all this great success, but they're, you know, it seems like they're on social media everywhere all the time that, you know, I don't need to create that for myself. I get to decide what's most important to me. Totally. And there will be phases where we go through, you know, we're like, yeah, like I'm launching a book right now. And that has caused me to make different choices. I wouldn't be able to work at this pace forever. But part of publishing a book with a big publisher is you want to honor your commitments and you want to be, you know, a good partner to them. And obviously, you know, I'd love to get this book into as many hands as possible. But I also know that this is something that I wouldn't want to be doing all the time. I mean, it's not easy. (laughs) So, and not that everything has to be easy, but you know what I mean? Like there's, we'll do things for a certain amount of time and then we'll be like, yeah, I really like to take a nap and relax. Right. Right. So with this book and the message in the book, why is it so important to you to get this in the hands of so many people? I mean, what is the movement that you're creating with this book? So I think it is twofold. One is, you know, back to childhood, I had parents who really struggled. And over the course of my life, I've met a lot of people who have struggled with their finances or struggled with building a retirement plan, you know, that they can someday even consider retiring. I also see people that were more like myself that focused way too much on the money and started to realize that my relationships were suffering as a result of that much focus. And so I think my passion is helping people if they're ready, if they know they want to make some changes, but they're not sure how, that I want to take all this great stuff that I've been learning, especially over the past 21 years, and channel it you know, to them. I think that's the greatest thing about a book. I was talking about this the other day, like how many people your whole life has been changed, you know, just because of some book you read that you're like, oh my gosh, I saw everything different. And it helps you live more smoothly and more enjoyably. And and that's all that I wanted to do was just be able to pass this on. And I'm pretty excited about that. I love it. I'm very excited about this book. So you've talked about 
the power of discovering your true self. So what do you mean by that? And how can we do that? Is, are there exercises that we can follow in the book that will help us do that? So this was the funny part. I did not know when I was writing this book that it was going to be, <laughs> this is the overarching message <laughs> that I was like, oh, this book is taking you to a pathway of just incredibly deep self-worth. And that's how I think of true self is that you're so intimately connected with who you are and the good qualities that you bring into this life that you feel this you know, loving connection with yourself. And that is what comes through, I think, especially in the first part of the book, I was talking about my own journey of frustration and I had a lot of self-hatred growing up. And even until I feel like I started doing this work, I didn't understand how destructive my thoughts were towards myself. And I think it has a lot to do with the culture that we've been raised in. There's not a lot of messages that support you know, healthy ways of thinking about oneself. And I think that this idea of self-worth, self-value is what you start to see come out when you get more connected to this true self. The other way that true self has been described is different than the inner critic, which is going on inside of us, different than the inner parent that's going on inside of us, is the true self is that deeper, loving, supportive part of you that is always just waiting to have that conversation with you. And you might not actually even know that voice exists inside of you. So the book is bringing that to the surface. Very cool. So here we are recording this in the middle of 2020. And we were talking before we hit record about, you know, it's been a very crazy year. So, you know, lots of things happening with the economy and, you know, the stock market. So, you know, that affects our businesses. What advice do you have for us during these uncertain times? So a lot of what we're struggling with right now is root chakra stuff because it's like our own survival, our own safety is being threatened. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, right? It doesn't matter. You can't completely protect yourself. You know, granted, if you have a job right now that you have to go out and be in service of public, that's even harder, right? Than maybe some of us who get to work from home and we can kind of quarantine ourselves as much as possible. But what's happening is we are having these feelings of fear and scarcity get triggered over and over and over again. And I think this is where we see people having breakdowns in grocery stores and doing crazy things. They're doing it because the fear is so strong inside of them, they don't know how to help themselves. And the idea of what we can do to help ourselves when the root chakra is being activated is several things, like a few just simple ones. Go out in nature, go touch a tree, sit on a rock, be you know on the grass, like do whatever you can to get grounded and connected in to Mother Earth. It's like amazing because there's just magical properties. And there are some research studies about how helpful this is, but the other thing would be root vegetables. Very interesting. Potatoes, you know, things that are in the ground that we <laughs> dig out actually have Mother Earth qualities to them. And this is, sounds so woo-woo, but like I just promise people, even if they think like if I'm having a bad day and I go outside and I walk in nature and I look around and I smell the flowers and I smell the pine trees or whatever it is that's around us, we feel better and we're not making that up. 
Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's, that's real. So true. Right. That's so <laughs> true. Every time I go out for a walk or go outside, I mean, enjoy the nice weather. Like I instantly feel better. Totally. And it will help you even more now than ever before. The other thing we can do is stomp our feet. So we we might alternate our feet, but like stomping our feet, just like if we were angry or like a little kid hopping up and down is amazing to bring us into our bodies. Because what happens is metaphysically, when we're really stressed, we don't want to actually be here. We don't want to be in our body. We don't want to feel the pain that we might be afraid of facing, right? Or the struggle that we might be looking at with our business or something. But when we bounce up and down, what happens is we come back in. It's like we have to be there in the body. And when we're fully in the body, present in that moment, we're far better able to look at the situation at hand and make good decisions. So it's fascinating how fast we can turn things around. So if you ever notice like I'm really flighty, for me, I run into like corners. That's how I know I'm sort of discombobulated. I cut corners and I'll kind of run into things. Well, if you notice certain things that you do or you drop stuff or you can't, you're very anxious, right? And your busy thoughts, like you drank too much coffee, those are good reminders to say, okay, I'm going to like hop for a few minutes or I'm going to go outside and sit in the grass because you will reset your conditioning system, your biochemistry, and it will make it so that you can go back to your job and be more effective and present. So those are just a few things. No, I love that. I mean, I'm thinking about my workout. I've been, you know, working out in the morning and that just helps me feel more in control. Like no matter what's going on outside, <laughs> you know, in this crazy world these days, that I feel much more control when I'm in my body, you know, and challenging my body. And that's been helping me kind of plus I need to focus. So if I'm, you know, challenging my body, then I need to focus on what I'm doing rather than thinking about all the other things that are running through my head. So going outside eating root vegetables and moving in your body, stomping your feet, hopping up and down. So basically, you know, jumping jacks. Yeah, yeah, jumping jacks. So running, obviously, walking. And you're right, strength building and weights, holding weights is actually very grounding. Good. Okay, so I'm I'm doing some right things. Very good. Okay, so in the book, you mentioned a fascinating study about children under the age of seven and money. So can you kind of explain what that was all about? Because as you know, I have two little kids. I'm very curious about this and and how this affects as I'm raising my two little kids. Yeah, it's so powerful. So the study in 2013 with Cambridge University said that our money personalities are formed by the age of seven which is just mind-blowing because that means that when we were not even dealing with money, we already made some ideas up and beliefs about what it is, how it works. And I, I think it's actually really funny because any parents of younger children, actually even I was just talking to my son, I'm like, how do you think we made our money? And he had some really... He goes, because you always made a lot. And I was like, actually, that's not the reason. you know. So ask your kids, like, what is money? What does it mean to you? What do you think about it? How do you think we get our money? You know, like you might be amazed because they're already making stories, whether you've told them about it or not. They have an idea. Very cool. Okay. So what can we do to be developing 
our kids and having them have healthy thinking about finances. What do we ask them these questions? And we're kind of surprised or dismayed at their responses. <laughs> and how can we kind of course correct? <laughs> I'm sure that there will be some moments where you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? So we're just going to make space for that to happen because this is the way that it works with raising kids. But what we can do is first and foremost, do our own money work, like become more conscious of your own, you know, unconscious behaviors with money. I was telling my son one time, you can't have that candy bar that he wanted at the grocery store because we couldn't afford it. And he looked at me and he was all of seven or eight. And he's like, mom, you just bought a brand new car and you can't afford this 79 cent candy bar. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was my mom. You know, I'm just saying stupid things that my mom told me. And I forgot that... I needed to look at the language I was using. So there's a lot of stuff that we're doing and we're actually teaching them something that we don't want passed on to them, but it may have come from our parents or it came from something else. So the more we focus on ourselves, the better we are at this. And I also will say, you know, I think in the book, I talk about the fact that only 17 states are encouraging the schools to teach about money, which is just horrible because it's such an important topic. And I feel like knowing this data about Cambridge University, we should be touching upon money in kindergarten and first grade and second grade in the schools to give kids some idea of like a neutral space so that money isn't so infused with emotion. So the more we pay attention to it for ourselves, the more we can talk about it and introduce them to it. And I have not had harsh rules with my kids. I have let them be their own personality, but I have always kept the door open to the fact that we can talk about money. And when they do behaviors that I think aren't healthy for them, then I will bring it to their attention of why it's probably not a good way to live their lives, you know, doing that sort of thing. Like my son will save up a lot of money and then he spends it all. And that's actually a really interesting trait that follows people later in life. And they can never save a massive amount of money because they think it's, I'm just saving up to buy that one thing and then they spend it all and then they have nothing left in savings. So, you know, because I know a lot about this and, and I think this is what people will get from the book, some people have come back to me and said, you didn't write an adult book. You actually wrote a parenting book because when I read it, you know, now I'm parenting my child differently knowing all this. So there's a lot there, but does that help? No, yes. I mean, I'm very excited to read this book. And so right now we're talking right before it's officially released. By the time this interview is released, uh, the book will already be out available and in stores, correct? Definitely. Yeah. So bookstores all over the US and you can buy it in other countries, mostly through Amazon. Wonderful. Okay. So this has been fantastic. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that we should... I feel like just remembering everyone to just take a moment and realize that you have these incredible gifts and and you know that, but that the more you can do and understand with this money relationship, I think the more likely we are to go out there and share those gifts with the world in big ways, maybe even bigger than you're thinking about right now. And that's what it's done for me. It's just opened up these doors that I never would have imagined. And I think that's pretty awesome. Wonderful. Yay. Thank you so much, Lisa. So wonderful chatting with you. Thank you for sharing all about your journey to becoming an entrepreneur and this book. I mean, the journey of writing this book as well. So I think that you should definitely go pick up a copy and order it on Amazon or in your nearby bookstore and go grab it. The Mindful Millionaire. Thank you. 
I want to thank Lisa once again for joining me on the podcast today and sharing her story and her wisdom with us. Be sure to grab a copy of her book at mindfulmillionairebook.com. She also has some great bonuses when you purchase the book, so be sure to check those out. I always love chatting with Lisa, and you should definitely check out her podcast called Mindful Millionaire as well. Lisa and I would love to hear your biggest takeaways from this interview. You can share those with us in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 62, or you can tag us on Instagram. I'm at Flourish with Monica, and she is at Lisa Peterson. That's L-E-I-S-A Peterson. You can find all the links and resources that Lisa and I mentioned in this episode at monicalouie.com slash 62. Thank you so much for joining Lisa and me today. If you are ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then I invite you to check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. And you can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through these six simple steps for creating campaigns that convert. Plus there's an awesome checklist so you can make sure you've got everything you need before you dive into the ads manager. And if you're like me, then you appreciate a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouie.com slash WWM. We have information there about our services. As I mentioned, we'll have all the links and resources that we mentioned today in the show notes, and you can find those at monicalouie.com slash 62. And if you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast. It really, 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 really helps the podcast get found by more people. And subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another great interview heading your way. So please join us for next week's episode of the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. That's all for today. Take care, stay healthy, and let's flourish. Thank you.